Welcome to the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast, a podcast all about leadership, change, and personal growth. The goal? To help you lead like never before in your church or in your business. And now, your host, Carrie Newhoff. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 251 of the podcast. My name is Carrie Newhoff, and I hope our time together today helps you lead like never before. Well, last week we had the one and only Gary Chapman, and uh, I'll tell you, that was a fantastic episode. It's been a good year so far, and I am really looking forward to today's episode and next week's episode. So this is a little bit of a like a part one, part two. So I spent some time in January at Crosspoint Church in Nashville. If you are connected in the church world, you probably have heard of uh, Crosspoint. And so one of the things they've navigated over the last couple of years is a big transition in leadership. Their founding pastor, Pete Wilson, stepped back in 2016. And then Kevin Queen, who will be my guest next week, uh, was brought in as their new lead pastor. And that is an incredible story. You're going to love that story. I sit down for over an hour with Kevin Queen. That'll be on next Tuesday's show. However, I also sat down with a couple of their senior leadership team. Drew Powell and Matt Warren are on this interview and it was actually at a dinner with some of the guys from Crosspoint, their executive leadership team back last year, where we were having this conversation about how attractional church, which is the model, you know, my church has been in, their church was in, is probably past peak, why it's changing and what's next for weekend services. So what I did was I sat down with Drew and Drew's the guys you'll hear who came up with the idea of uh, the foyer having moved. Uh, one of the reasons church is different now than it was a decade ago is because of the explosion of the internet. And I wrote a blog post after that dinner called Why Attractional Church is Past Peak and Why Charismatic Churches Are on the Rise. We'll link to that in the show notes. Anyway, that blog post blew up, not only with tens of thousands of leaders who read it, but all the conversation that happened around it. So what I wanted to do was do a deeper dive. And so Drew and Matt and I sit down and have a conversation about what is changing in church world, uh, what's changing in our culture, what's next for weekend services. And I think whether you're in the church space, I think you'll find this really fascinating. But also, even if you're in the business space, man, Life is not what it used to be, and the internet is changing everything, so I think you're going to really enjoy it. And one of the things I like about this conversation is that we don't resolve everything. I mean, this is just like we are processing this in real time. I think there's a moment in this interview where I think it was Matt goes, we're actually talking about this live in front of people, right? And I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what we're doing. So I hope you find this helpful. Uh, I love conversations like this, and I'm really excited to bring it to you. And while we're on the subject of church, you know, Easter's almost here. And so the question is, how are you going to tell your community about it? I know you've got your services planned, but getting the word out there, well, how do you do that? And you know what? It's not too late to talk to the people at Pro Media Fire. They can help get, well, everything from your video bumper for Easter prepared to your social media presence to graphics that you can share online. It's a creative team for a monthly flat rate, way less than you would pay a staff member. And they're basically on demand. Like it's incredible. You get a graphic designer, an animator, a video editor for less than the cost of one staff hire. And they can make your sermon series graphics, your social ads, bumpers, whatever media needs, 
your church has, and it's not too late for Easter. So head on over to promediafire.com forward slash carry, C-A-R-E-Y. This is the last month for the Media Bundle launch special for 40% off. And that's available because you listen to this podcast. That's promediafire.com forward slash carry. They would love to hear from you. And uh, why not do that right now? Because Easter is almost here. And speaking of almost here, hey, if you are thinking about doing a better job with your sermons heading into it, this is a great time to take advantage of the Art of Better Preaching. It's a course that Mark Clark and I put together. And it has now helped over a thousand leaders learn how to preach better sermons. You can learn more at The Art of Better Preaching. It's an on-demand course you can do on your own time, on any device, any connected device. And we give you like a workbook. I think there's 11 videos. And Mark and I are very different styles, which makes it actually kind of exciting because it's not like one size fits all. Our job is not to help you imitate our voice. It's to help you develop yours. So head on over to theartofbetterpreaching.com and check that out while you can. We would love to help you preach better sermons this year. And in the meantime, why don't we jump into my conversation with Matt Warren and Drew Powell from Crosspoint Church in Nashville. Uh, I hope you love this as much as I did because I sure love this conversation. Here we go. Well, guys, welcome to the podcast. It's good to uh, to reconvene. What it was a few months ago, we had dinner together yeah. here in Nashville, right? And uh, that sounded really exciting the way you said it. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's we right. did. We, that did happen. dinner. Uh, we uh, give us a brief intro into who you are and what you do at Crosspoint. What if What if we cross it up? Let me introduce this guy for a second. Is that cool? I don't is know. That that weird? Great. for you. That's a whole podcast in itself. It is. It is. Um, and I love working with Drew Powell. Drew Powell is our creative arts pastor. Mm. Um, he might be the most self-aware leader that I've ever worked with. Oh, wow. He's, he's fantastic. So he leads a team of about 25 creatives. So our communications department, music, worship, production department, art department. And so he's kind of got the biggest team on our staff. So it's a big job. Yeah, and you're in Nashville. Lots yeah. of creatives. Yeah, yeah. And he does it with finesse, with care, with a pastor's heart. Um, and in addition to leading a great team really well, he's an incredible communicator. So he hosts, he's on our teaching team. Um, when he teaches, we get some of the most feedback we get on any message from the stuff Drew comes up with. It's really wow. fantastic. Yeah. This is great. There you go. Jeez. That was better than a self-introduction. Well, you're, you're not getting a raise this year. Yeah. So I figured we introduce Matt. Yeah. Hey, everybody, this is Matt. Is that how that works? Yeah. <laughs> Matt, what you need to know about Matt is he's got really great hair. This is unfortunate. This is audio only because the hair is on point. No, Matt's my boss. He's the executive director here at Crosspoint. He's the big dog, uh, one of the big dogs on the management team. Um, and I might get this wrong, but overseeing innovation, leadership development. He leads me and my team creative, but it also leads all the ministries teams. So Matt's got a really, really big job here. Um, great leader. Enneagram 8. I realize I'm on a podcast with two eights. Yeah, I'm an yeah. eight too. And I'm a seven, so. Oh, so you could just go off and throw a party right now. Right, I'm just trying to have a good time. So <laughs> I, I can tell you who's not going to be in control of this podcast, and it will be me. <laughs> so, there you um, go. Love working for Matt. It's been fun. Well, hey, I know there's a lot of listeners who'd be familiar with Crosspoint, but mm -hmm. um, you guys have been here for many, many years uh, yeah. through a big leadership transition yeah. that we are talking about on another podcast with yeah. your new pastor, Kevin Queen. Cool. Uh, but give us the brief thumbnail of Crosspoint. I defer to you. You've been here a lot longer than sure. I have. Um, you know, my wife and I moved to Nashville in 04, found Crosspoint then. It was about a two or three-year-old church at that point. Yeah. 
met at an elementary school in a cafetorium. We had never <laughs> been in a set up teardown church before, but we walked in and like day one, this is home. Wow. Worship was not really great, yeah. <laughs> but um, the, we felt welcomed and the yeah. teaching was really great. And so after about a three or four month search of a church in Nashville, and we went to a lot of really great churches, we knew like as soon as the service wrapped, this is our church. My wife joined a small group and the rest is kind of history. I was a touring musician at the time. Who were you? Yeah. What, what'd you play? Who'd you play Guitar. with? Guitar. Um, I was on this really not great band called The Turning, but it brought us to Nashville. <laughs> yeah. um, and like, like so many others who came to Nashville. Right. Absolutely. Big, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, and so eventually um, some people on staff found out that, oh, that guy knows about music and sound. We should get him to help us with this or that. And so as we moved from set up Teardown Church into our first um, full-time experience church, they brought me in to help with sound stuff and band stuff. And eventually the road pared down, which was awesome. And I came on staff full-time in 2010. And so it's been eight years, initially music director. But back to Crosspoint was um, church grew super fast in those days. Yeah. Um, and it was exciting. I had never been a part of something that was so up and to the right as mm. Crosspoint in those early days. Everything we tried worked like scarily. Internally, we knew like, okay, God has incredible favor on this place and it's really mm -hmm. fun to watch. But we also knew there was this like um, gaff tape and zip ties mentality where like if people <laughs> knew behind the curtain smoke and mirrors. how things were <laughs> actually put together sometimes for the weekend experience or our sets or how multi-site eventually came about, um, we, we kind of always were pretty scrappy to get that stuff done. And uh, man, it was really fun. Drew, Drew came on staff in the early winter of 16. Is that yeah, correct? Almost three years of the date right yeah. now. Yeah. And got here at like an ordained time. So yeah, because it was a big year of transition absolutely. for you guys at Crosspoint. Transition the founding about, pastor stepped back, yeah. Pete Wilson. Yep, yeah. it was about nine months, nine, 10 months after I was here. But the same thing you were describing, I mean, what what drew me here to Crosspoint, I was a lead pastor in Florida. It was almost just the posture of the church, like mm. just the culture of the church, the posture, you know, we say everyone's welcome, nobody's perfect, anything's possible. That mentality and that posture towards our city and towards people was something that I just, I really wanted to jump in and be part of. You don't hear that every day where you go from being a lead pastor to being in more yeah. of an associate role. What, yeah, you know? yeah, took a demotion. No, it was, I, I mean, for me, it was just, I, I knew that God had called me to be more in the creative space. And then also what, what drew me here was a love for the city. We had lived here before already and we just feel like God is doing something very special here in Nashville. And so I, I love that, I just have a, a passion for the city. But then also just wanted to link arms with a, with a great team, like be on a team that I felt like we were uh, just really moving in a great direction. So yeah, it was a, it was a big jump, but uh, I love it. And I get, I get to help Kevin and serve him and speak a few times a year and five, six times a year is a lot better than 40 times a year. So I'm, I'm happy to trade that. So yeah, I'm down to like, I think I hit just under 30 last year. And wow. I thought, wow. It still feels like a lot. Well, Kevin asked yeah. me every time I speak, how, what, what do you feel? How do you feel? And I just say, I'm really glad I don't have to do that again next week. You know? so. <laughs> That's good. Well, we want to focus on attractional church and yep. how it's changing maybe the peaking of, or the morphing of, or I wouldn't say the death of, because I think there's yeah. so many lessons we've learned along the way. But in many ways, Crosspoint over the years, especially say a decade ago, was the poster child for attractional church. I mean, there were thousands of us who looked to Crosspoint for leadership and you were at the heart of it. So tell us what attractional church has been and why don't we just start there? Like when you were in the setup teardown days, and I'm, I'm sure you were doing that in yeah. Florida as well. So talk about that. 
Yeah, that's good. I mean, well, I would just say from just more general perspective, when I think of attractional church, and I'm glad we're given a definition because I mean a lot of different things to different oh, people. Oh yeah, I get that all the time. What yeah. do you mean by attractional mean by church? That, yeah. It's actually hard to define. It is, it is. Yeah. And there's a sense in which we always want to be attractional, right? Yeah. Like there's not, that's what like is said, it? What's the opposite? Unattractional right, church? Right, right, exactly. We don't yeah. want to be that. Horrible church? I but I think know. in this context, I think we're talking about just the movement that happened, like you said, maybe 15, 20 years ago was more seeker focused, more focused on the outsiders, maybe even how you program was more towards the smaller percentage of people coming in than your your core people, you know? And so very, very guest focused, higher production. It's I think when we started bringing in some pop culture and some things into our services, really trying to attract and identify with people coming in that had no context for church or Christianity and stuff. And so, I mean, how would you say it as far as the Crosspoint context? I mean, that sums it up pretty good. You mm-hmm. know, when, when Crosspoint started, I remember our, kind of our original values that we stated, hey, this is our vision. If we do this, we're healthy. And it was to be balanced in evangelism, discipleship, and community. And we knew no church is perfectly balanced in those things. But I think when we hit our stride under the attractional banner, evangelism was probably the highest value of those three. Probably yeah. a little bit over discipleship and probably a little bit, you know, in, in competition, a little higher than community would be. Yeah. So, um, and, and one way we kind of talk about it is attractional is not just the program. It's actually the posture. Yeah. So it's kind of a little bit more encompassing than what you do in your 60 minutes on the platform. I'll bounce this off you guys, but as I've been challenged by readers, because I've written on this and, and that post really, the, yeah. the last 10, <laughs> and, and this is the Drew that gave me the foyer oh. <laughs> move thing. Man, I get so, so much grief for that <laughs> around here. That's amazing. He's a code cracker. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I blog cracked the post. code, that, yeah. That post went crazy. Really? Like it really well, did. We'll link to it in the show notes. It could really boost your career and influence with that uh Code cracking I did for you. <laughs> code cracking. But it was about uh, why charismatic churches are growing and attractional churches are past oh, peak. Yeah. So we'll link to that yeah. in the show notes. But it, it really, that post for me, and we've written more about it since then, was because uh, we're in the same thing. We've been in an attractional church that is going, you know, I'm, I was saying at breakfast with a friend of mine this morning, one of the gifts God gave me is I can smell death. Like, mm. it's like over there in the corner, that thing's dying. And everyone's like, no, it's alive. It's like, no, I think it's dying. And a few years ago, we had also flagged, like, there's something not, this isn't what it used to be. So when I think of attractional church, I just want to bounce this off. I'm not looking for affirmation. I'm looking for true reaction. But it emerged out of that whole seeker movement of the 80s and 90s, whether it was seeker sensitive, seeker targeted, and that kind of had its moment. And then there was another generation of leaders that came along Mm -hmm. that said, yes, and now what do we do with that? So it was this idea okay. of we got to design the service with the guest in mind, the communication with the guest in mind. Yeah. And again, you know, lots of criticism about, well, you've watered down the gospel. Yeah. Well, some people did, but no, attractional church doesn't mean you're watering down the gospel. Right. You're singing songs, but not too many songs. So you don't get lost in this three-hour set. And like, when is this going to be over? So it was like... You have the guest in mind. Your music tends to be, because I think churches, they really struggle with mediocrity. So yeah, it was like yeah. better musicians. If you're going to do the songs, do them well. Um, take some pop culture into it for sure. a while. You know, drama kind of gave way to just fun moments when hosting, right. to, um, you know, some cultural references, whether that was video or whether that was a song off the radio or Spotify or something, you know, so you yep. open with Taylor Swift or whatever you happen to do, but there was that. And then that, again, I think the sands are shifting. And even what's really fascinating now is, I mean, I don't know how many attractional churches there would be in America, but tens of thousands, sure. I would think, yeah. who are in that model at one level or another and and hundreds who are, are leaders in that field who are now going, 
yeah, we're becoming something else. Yeah. Right. Or we're, and it's not like, oh yeah, all of a sudden we're Christian. No, 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 no that's not no. it at all. It's just like the way we did it isn't the way we're doing it because it's not connecting the way it was. Is that right. fair in, in like, is that what attractional church is to you or how would you, yeah, how I, else would you nuance it? I think that's great. I mean, I, I would agree with all that. I'm, I, f I feel like, you know, I've been doing this for about 15, 20 years and just sitting in a room just dissecting every element of what you do towards that person that may be skeptical or an outsider or whatever. And so you're just focusing everything from the songs you would sing and how you would open up. So your, your series, whatever it was, was so focused on that, that outsider, that person that may not know. And so I, to me, I thought, I thought you summed it up well. Absolutely. We, we, we just kind of talk about center of the target a lot when we're yep. talking about environments, experience and program. And so there was an assumptive nature to that center of the target. And for me, we would kind of name it. I would say, Drew, just yep. remember, and this is a couple years ago. So this is kind of pre our switch. I would say there is a girl who loves Jesus, who wants her boyfriend to love Jesus. And he's a skeptic. We got to make sure that guy coming in with his arms crossed, yep. has a good experience, understands what we're saying about the gospel and, connect, and can connect with something in the service, whether it's a top 40 song we do that he mm -hmm. heard on the radio. Yep. And the next time he hears it on the radio, he may think, oh yeah, that church I went to did that. And that was, yeah. was kind of cool. And so we lived under that center of the target with that clear right. picture of who our guests could be. Yep. And we programmed to and that. And that's funny. I did the same thing when I was preaching. I, it, was, it was Malcolm. We had yeah. a guy named Malcolm. And when I would write a sermon, I'd write to Malcolm because mm -hmm. Malcolm was a Marine very smart guy. He was not going to take anything at face value. Like if he said something from the Bible, prove it to me, that type of thing. And so I would even write my messages to Malcolm. Like, what is Malcolm going to say about this? Just to help me keep my focus on that person. But, and it's such a minority of your church though. I mean, that's, I think yeah. that's some of what we're going to talk about. That's the challenge is Malcolm didn't show up most weekends, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm preaching to Malcolm. Yeah. Well, Malcolm's not here today. So, But the whole time we're working under that kind of, yeah, guideline, I've got a tension in my spirit. Like mm. worship is just a pathway for me to connect to God. So I, I'm, an, I'm an eight. So I don't get right. emotional very often. I don't let people see it. But when I do, music is almost always at the centerpiece of that emotion for me. Mm. Like I connect to God through songs. And so instead of building a worship culture for seven or eight years, we're building a music culture. So it's like, hey, yeah. we're not going to dive too deep into worship because that could offend that boyfriend that's coming with that girlfriend, or he's not going right. to understand it. So as much as I'm loving being a part of this team and all the things that are going up into the right, my tension was, oh, but man, I really wish people could experience what I experience when I hear worship songs, yeah. when I sing worship songs. And we, we kind of have a lid on that experience for our church. So what are we missing mm -hmm. by not taking a step past yeah. that target? And the transformation that happens in the presence of God. Right. When you, yeah. Well, it's that awkward tension too of public singing is just about dead in our culture. The only place you do it really is in a church. I mean, even look at the national anthem. Unless you're in a particularly patriotic moment, there's a lot of awkwardness yeah. where people are That's not, they don't really want to sing out loud. Um, and I think you're right. Part of the attractional church, maybe even eight or nine years ago, was this is singing, it's not worship. Hmm. And it's something to be endured more than enjoyed. And it created a lot of awkwardness too, didn't it? Where Christians didn't really want to engage, hands raised, we're like, put them down. Right. You don't want to offend, what's your guy's offend. name? Malcolm? Malcolm, yeah. Malcolm. Don't mm -hmm. offend Malcolm. And it, and it was a challenge for, uh, at the time when I started, I was a worship leader. And it was like, man, I I felt God called me to do this, to like invite people into his presence and to lead worship. And then even for our worship leaders and our staffs, it became a challenge. Cause like, man, I just feel like I'm, I'm just singing songs. Like I didn't, that's not what I felt called to do. I felt called to pastor this church and to help them 
you know, grow in their worship. And I think that was part of the, the challenge as well. But we were so hyper-focused, like, let's make sure we don't offend. Let's make sure we don't say anything that they don't understand. And I think, you know, we just got really laser focused. You said it a minute ago, I think that is what the attractional church is. It is, is just a, a focus and an emphasis um, on a certain personality or right. person, you know, a certain type. So the way we're talking about it right now, and I include myself in this, because our church was exactly where your churches have been as well, it almost sounds like we're saying it was a failure. But the reality huh. is it produced great fruit. That's right. right. I mean, let's talk about that. What was the best parts of attractional church? What worked? Um, because there was that awkwardness of public singing. Mm -hmm. I mean, Nashville has become a really big culture center. So yeah. We, we say you're a unicorn. You're from Nashville? Oh, wow. We didn't know people actually were from the city. Everybody moves to Nashville. So it's not your typical Southern Bible Belt city. It is on some levels, but not everybody has a church perspective or a church background and understands what they're walking into. Yeah. So um, again, attractional is not just your program, it's your posture, but we're going to talk about some programming things in this. And so the wins sometimes were, it's like, okay, we're going to do an Avicii cover song to open the program. <laughs> and you see, you know, these girls in their 20s and 30s and the boyfriends they dragged with them and they're like, oh yeah, this song's great. And so mm -hmm. you see them connecting to an element in the program. And then you get up and do a, I don't know, a Bethel worship song. And they're like, oh, that's cool, but I don't know it. I've never heard that song before. Right. So it's a moment of connection. We leverage culture and, and kind of connect a church to that for them, yeah. essentially. And so it won when we were able to kind of intersect that culture moment and leverage it to use, you know, teach the gospel to these people. Um, so absolutely, attraction of work. I mean, Crosspoint grew tremendously through the season where we focused mm -hmm. on that. Um, and again, with our balance of discipleship, evangelism, and community, the evangelism thing worked. I mean, we were seeing tons of baptisms, tons, tons of salvation. So it was easy to look at the metrics and say, yeah, th this is working. And yet, for some of us, it still felt a little bit fractured. I mean, you may remember, what are some of the better parts you remember? Yeah, no, I would say that too. I mean, just right on the nose is growth. I mean, if you're good at attractional church, you're gonna attract people and your church is gonna grow. And right. so you're gonna have a bigger church, you know, the people that do that well. So, I mean, that's what you're saying. Um, yeah, and I think the other thing is, I know the church that I grew up in, the difference and why I was so attr attracted to the attractional church when it first started too, was there was a much more external focus. It helped us as churches yes. focus on the people that weren't in the room. The church I grew up, it was very internal and our, and just to be honest, our, our church didn't grow a whole lot. I mean, it was a small right. church. And so um, it felt, you know, very much more like a, a club and a close knit thing. And there was advantages of that as well. I mean, there's parts of that we loved, but it helped our church change our thinking as to why we exist as the church more globally. And so I think what you're saying about the focus on evangelism, I know in my context, um, that really helped. It helped us think about the people who weren't there. And that was a, a really valuable thing that we want to keep in whatever model we have. We right. want to make sure we keep that before. Yeah. And, and I think, I think I'm glad you're raising that because evangelism really was a big focus. I think the church was very insular. A lot of churches took their eyes off of themselves and the needs of their members and put it on the community. And that was good. And would you say, looking back on it, and this is an open, honest question, like here we are 10, 15 years later, are some of the people that were reached under attractional church still following Jesus wholeheartedly? Great question. I would mm. say some are, some might not be. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think it probably depend on the health of that particular church and how well they were able to put people into a discipleship or even assimilation type funnel to help them grow deeper. What, what I saw is mostly churches 
were really strong in one area and not in the other. So the ones that mm. went way into attractional, and maybe it just was a matter of bandwidth and energy and all those things, end up being really good at reaching them, but then ended up, you know, struggling a little bit in more of the discipleship or community. And and that's one thing, again, attracted me about Crosspoint. And this is something that we still try to wrestle with, nowhere near accomplishing it. But it was like, man, what would it look like to be a church that was able to balance those three things of community, evangelism, and discipleship, and not just reach people. And then, you know, a few months on the road or years on the road, they kind of fall away. And so I don't have any like science on yeah, that, yeah. but I would imagine it's probably true, you know? And, and honestly, you know, when I, we would get emails occasionally complaining, I can't believe you guys did a Foo Fighters song. What right. kind of church would do this? Or, you know, and Drew- <laughs> Those are never the unchurched people emailing you. Know, no, 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 no. And Drew would get those emails sometimes, like, oh man, how, how do I answer this? And I just say, them to you. Yeah, I'd, I'd <laughs> respond as Drew back to those people. Right? <laughs> but I, I think it would be something along the lines of like, you know, um, when Paul said to the, to the Greek, I became a Greek and to the Roman, like, we do what we can to reach people for the gospel, even if it's not our preference. And so uh, kind of going back to my tension of I wanted a worship culture, but I'm really creating a music and top 40 culture sometimes, was that, well, you know what? It's not about my preference. I really do want to help this church um, connect to people who are lost and looking for hope, the hope of Jesus. So kind of let those preferences go to the wayside for a season. Yeah. Yeah. No, and I, I think what surprised me, you guys are in a Nashville context, we're in a North of Toronto context, but I think one of the things that shocked me the most, uh, looking back on it now, is there were absolute genuine, first of all, growth, yes, 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 but real conversions, people's lives who have been changed forever. Yeah, right. Like they, they're not only going to be in heaven, uh, but they're living very differently yeah, right. in this life, which is great. And you can't, I, I am somebody who, and the other thing, I want this question before we move on to what's changing were some of those people or a meaningful percentage of those people truly unchurched? In our case, it was 60%. Okay. That, that we would see over half of the people who walked through the door self-identify. We're not labeling them. They have to check one of four boxes. And it was like, I never attend church once or twice a year, I think once a month or every week. So if it was, I never attend church or once or twice a year, we counted them as unchurched. And that was yep. over half. And so we, we saw those people, like they just kept coming and they said, we would never go to another church. What was your experience of that with the Tractional Church? That was true for, for me in Florida, at least. I, I would say D-Church would probably be more ac accurate than sure. unchurched. I mean, if you're in the Bible Belt, right. yeah, you're going to get D-Churched as much that as That was the majority of our growth when we kind of adopted a Tractional Church model was people coming in saying, man, this is nothing like the church I grew up in. Mm. So they weren't coming emotionally neutral to church. They had some feelings towards church. What right. we were able to do is say, hey, it, no, it is, it is different. Or like you were saying, we can't identify with where you're at. We're not completely irrelevant to what you're experiencing or what you're listening to or whatever it might mm -hmm. be. And so I would say, again, I don't have the stats, but the majority of the growth that we saw was people coming in saying, this is a lot different than the, the, my grandma's church. And, yeah. You know. yeah, I wouldn't change that. That's right. Right. Well, and one of the critiques of charismatic churches is they've sort of risen over the last five years or so is, well, you're just recycling Christians which in conversations with people who have led some of those leading churches, they would say, no, that's not entirely true. On the other hand, a growing church is a rare bird these days, period. Yeah, right. And if it's taking millennials who would have been out of church and bringing them back in, I'll sign up for that all day long. Right. But I think a lot of the, the heart around this table and those who listen, leaders listening to this podcast are, we want to reach the unchurched. But a few yeah. years ago, you started to sense 
something was shifting. Mm-hmm. Let's move there. What what made you restless? You've talked a little mm-hmm. bit about, okay, I want to worship, but I don't have an outlet for that. Yeah. I still have a heart for the outsider. Mm-hmm. But so what started to shift? Um, you know, so you, you mentioned our transition earlier. And so I mean, Drew and I three years ago were in completely different roles um at, at Crosspoint here. Um and so really the deck was essentially cleared. Um mm-hmm. And all because of a sudden, Pete, Pete Wilson resigned. Yeah, and, and we lost. What yeah. was that? The summer of 2016? September of 16. September it? of 16. And so yeah. um, we also lost two other executives in that transition. So three of the four senior leaders of our organization were gone. Wow. And, and which, would, which was almost a recipe for death for any church. Yeah. Any organization. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Let's, let's yes. expand <laughs> it here a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, think about it. The, you know, the C-suite empties in most companies. Yeah. It's You're in trouble. That's right. Matt freshened up his resume for sure. I, I, you showed it to me. <laughs> we sharpened each other's resumes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and so I think we were, you know, honestly, at that point, I was two months into my first transition where I, I said, you know what? I, th- I feel like God's calling me out of leading the music team and mm. there's this open operations role. So yeah, I'll, I'll go lead operations. That's pretty logical, yeah. music to operations. <laughs> yeah. Right. Let's, let's do that. Um, and so I was in this awkward space of, you know, for about two months, I was essentially doing a new job. Um, Drew had a different boss at that time. And um, when, when the C-suite, so as we said, it kind of cleared out, right. we, we, were, we had this blank slate. And, and we knew, okay, now's not the time to reinvent the wheel. We need to kind of gather our church and love on them. Let's be who we are in this season. And for us, that's typically, let's go serve. So let's, let's do a big serve, uh, citywide serving initiative. Which has been part of your culture all along. Absolutely. Yep. From day one. Yep. So that's, that's one of the first things we do. We it was try- almost like get back to the basics moment. Yes, like this is right. what we do. You know, let's go serve. Yeah. Um, but it also, it also, um, it would have felt disingenuous to be like super celebratory in that season. So the idea of like kicking off every service with a super hot top 40 cover was like, right. okay, right. that's not reality to where we are. We're kind of in a morning season right now. I was going to say the same thing, Matt. I think that's so good. I think, I think we just changed a lot too. Like we got to a more desperate place. We yes. got to a more like, man, like you were saying earlier, like everything was kind of up to the right. Now here's one of the first moments in our history where things are not looking great. Right, because people left. People yeah. left, yeah. yeah. A lot of people left. And it was a, it was a definitely a kind of make or break moment for us. So our posture of even desperation had changed. And I, I think that was a, a big part of what we started to, to see, like even shift in us. Like we mm. just kind of said, and I think part of the, like obviously such a huge challenge to go through a transition like that looking back there, there is a kind of a gift side of it, which is most organizations, our size don't get a chance to hit a reset button a little bit, like to have a conversation of, okay, well, things are changing whether we like it or not. Let's talk about the future. Cause I think a lead pastor or founding pastor, it's, it's really hard to, once you fall in love with something, especially model to kind of make that shift. So even as we're praying about looking for who our next senior leader is going to be, it did kind of give us a bit of a built-in reset button a little yeah. bit to really evaluate. Cause I think we had to do a lot of soul searching anyway of like, yeah. who are we really? Like we, you Ooh. know, you know, such a great charismatic senior leader like Pete. And so we really think like, what, like, man, what is the special sauce of our church and all those different things. And so I think in doing that, it almost gave us, it didn't feel like it at the time. Looking back, it was kind of a gift to be able to soul search a little bit and say, where do, I know we had a lot of those conversations. Yeah. Like, where do we think the future of the church is going? Well, and Drew brought that, you know, so he was fresh mm-hmm. perspective. He's nine months on the job yeah. at that point, right? Not knowing any of this was going down. No, said yes. absolutely. No. And so he's the one that said, hey, I think I'm seeing a couple steps ahead and it could be this. 
And so what was tough for me in that season is I, I had left the occupation of music director for the church, yeah. but we still had influence and relational influence to, yeah. to lead in that space. But we had this playbook that had worked for 16 years. Like, yeah. Well, let's not change the playbook. This is working. <laughs> right. Even in a transition, it could still work. But Drew just said, hey, let's, let's just rethink this. Let's pray through this and kind of look you know, forward down the road. And so he kind of was the first person that said, without senior leadership, let's do this as a team you know, with the rest of our transitional leadership team. And we started looking under the hood. And yeah. that was the season of, of really evaluating the playbook. Well, and I think some of that's probably just was birthed out of my fear, our fear of, man, we just didn't want to be the church that was stuck in a model. Right. And and it was, the culture was passing us by. And a lot of it was just seeing my friends. Like, and it wasn't anything that I, I felt like I was ahead of the curve on or we, I mean, you know, I appreciate you saying that, but it was us, we were talking about this. And I was just seeing my friends either leave the church or they were leaving attractional quote unquote churches like, like ours and going to more Anglican style or really like getting back to like ancient roots and history. And they were just wanting a deeper, more authentic experience. And it wasn't about comfortable auditoriums and lights and smoke and haze and stuff. They just wanted something almost a little more gritty and just mm. like, you know, give me the truth, tell it to me straight type stuff. And I'm watching this happen and just thinking, man, I don't want Crosspoint to look back 10 years from now and be like, wow, we, we missed the, the cultural change and the trends that were happening. Had things started to shift or had the restlessness began before the leadership transition? I think so. You know, I, I remember a, you saying that at dinner. I that, was in a much different seat, but I think we could kind of sense a change. And it, it was that there, this year over year growth and attendance and giving and everything else had kind of plateaued. Mm. So the metrics were bearing out that something was different in that season, even yeah. nine months before a transition. Yeah. Right. So you started to know, but you hadn't really started adjusting the model yet. You just like kind of knew it was that yeah. something, something isn't the same here. We, we don't weren't know seeing what the same results and the same success that we had right. in the past. So it like we had, a, we could either put our head in the sand and keep running the playbook or with or without transition, we were going to have to face like, okay, we're, it's not working. Well, and that's a sigmoid curve, right? Like uh, if, if you look at that, it's hard to do on an audio podcast, but basically mm -hmm. most things, they go up into the right for a little while if you're looking at a big hill, but then they kind of cap off and then yeah. they start to decline. And maybe you were right at the top of the hill and the, the you know, and so the next three years unchecked, unchanged, you would have seen decline or more flatline. Yeah. Whereas, you know, wise leaders, and this is the hard part to get into because nothing succeeds like success until <laughs> it doesn't, right. right? But is before you sort of crest and get to that top where things level off, that's when you introduce the change. And maybe it's a disruptive change that actually creates a lack of momentum for a season, a short season. You might have some people leave going, this isn't how we do church. Where's the, uh, where's the opener? You know, yeah. come on, yeah. what's, what's up with that? But then it leads you into another period of growth and effectiveness. And the culture had been changing too. Yeah. It's really hard to do production in a city like Nashville. Right. Yeah. I mean, this is the, the music center yeah. of America. Really well, when has you look become. out and you see, oh, the, the song we're about to play, that guy wrote. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. The artist doesn't want to come and hear like a karaoke version right. of their song right. at yeah. the church they attend, That's you right. know. Yeah. And I guess that happens, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, or that's the guy that played bass on that record, or that's yeah. the guy that produced this track. It's, you just so you see the, it everywhere. talk about that. Like most of us don't live there, <laughs> but like, how do you, as a musician yourself, how do you navigate that tension? Um, I, I'll say it this way: like moving to Nashville, you just you 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 don't get starstruck very often. Um, mm. There was a Sunday where a former Titans um, football coach was in the service, 
and Phil Keggy was in the service. So Phil Keggy, if you don't yeah. know, is one of the world's greatest guitar players. And I'm on stage and I'm I'm barely proficient at this instrument. And <laughs> power I, chords. And I'm more nervous that <laughs> Jeff like, Fisher's in the audience than Phil Keggy. <laughs> what happened to my band again? Yeah, exactly. Why didn't it work? Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, what's what's great about the creative community in Nashville is it's incredibly supportive. So yeah. if you move yeah. here for for music or a creative endeavor, it is a very supportive city. So you very you rarely feel criticism or yeah. somebody downplaying your dreams. It's yeah. a really but supportive you can't, community. I guess the here's what I'm thinking as an outsider to Nashville. You can't dazzle Nashville They've seen very everything. easily. They've well, seen it all, right? And they they sniff it out too. Like if you okay. get, that's the thing. Like especially with authenticity and the I think the challenge with Nashville is the excellence still has to be high. Right. It just can't look like you're trying too hard. Exactly oh, right. Okay. So drill down on that a well, little more. So you're going to expect excellence, you know, yeah. in in the city. But I think just they're coming in. The, and if you've been on the road all week long, the last thing you want to do is come in on a Sunday and see what you experience on Friday night on a tour. I mean, that's not right. what they're looking for. So, but at the same time, there's still a high threshold for quality and excellence. And so you still want to like bring your best. And of course we do that as just an act of worship anyway, but as far as they're concerned, like it's got to be strong. You know, they don't want the quality to be poor, but it can't look like you're, you know, you're trying too trying. hard or that's forcing right. it or like, you know, again, and that, that was some of the issues was even doing some of the, the cover songs and stuff that we, we did. Like Matt said, it's like, yeah, it's just really, it's really hard to pull those moments off when yeah. your audience is the tough critics, you know? And so I don't know. So here's a question I'm asking myself. Okay. I'm just curious. Why do you think it worked for that 10 or 15 years? Because that was, it wasn't bad. I mean, it actually was a very effective way yeah. of being the church in that season. Can I make a really bold statement? Yeah, you can say whatever I'm you want. So Matt, Matt right might now. fire me for this, so right. we, can, we can edit this out. Um, <laughs> I don't know, and again, I could be wrong on this. That's my disclaimer. I don't know that that part of it is what worked. Absolutely. Right. I don't know that, and I'm just, that's just the most honest thing I can say. Yeah. I think the quality was great, but I think we had a senior leader that was an elite communicator. I yeah. think the way we served our community, the way we loved our community, um, I think that worked. That was the attractional part. People came ah. in and really felt welcome. I don't know. And again, you can correct yeah. me on this, Matt. Oh, I, don't, I don't know that that part of our music culture and the, that top 40 and that stuff was what was drawing people Was in. the attractional somewhere else? Interesting. Yes, he, he is huh. a million percent correct. Honestly, there was a season, probably two or three years before the attendance plateau, that attractional programming yeah. could have actually hindered more growth. Right. And okay. so- T Tell us about that. So I would- you know, This is fun. We've never talked about no, this. No. This is new territory. This is why we do this. I, I haven't Drew thought about, about it at this level. <laughs> Drew talked about friends that had left the church, not necessarily Crosspoint, but church in general. I had some of those friends too in the music business and everything mm. else. And, and sometimes it was a little bit like, oh man, I know they think what we just did on the platform was lame. And right. so like, I would say, man, Crosspoint is so big and programming in a way that if I just moved to Nashville right now, I'd be skeptical. And I don't know that I would make this my home church if I mm. started right now. Yep. But because I started at the beginning when it wasn't these things, I'm in and my, it has my heart. But if I just moved here, I don't think I would choose this church because of that. It feels a little bit too... Well, Showy. and real practically speaking, we just saw a lot of people come in before the message and leave right when it was over, even if we had music at the end. Yeah, there is something about 
<clears throat> the sermon, the word of God right. um, proclaimed yeah. that is ultimately attractive. Okay, here's the theory. This could be totally wrong. I just want to bounce <laughs> it off you guys. It's your podcast. You can say whatever you want. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. The guy has to deal with the fallout. Right. Um, do you think this has anything to do, because I'm just thinking through the timing. I haven't really had this long conversation about this before either, which is why podcasting is so fun and yeah. real and raw. <laughs> But if you look at the rise of attractional church in, say, you know, the late 90s to maybe it peaked five years ago. Let's just say like it, it hit its peak in 14, 15, whatever that happened to be. Do you think scarcity played a role in it? So look at all of us have our phones here. So if you think about how um, access to information, communication, music has evolved in the last decade, was much scarcer yep. 10 years ago than it is today. And even, you know, it was like, oh, everyone had a phone a decade ago, but only certain people had a, a smartphone. Right. And you look at what was available because of internet speeds. And I mean, remember, you know, long before LTE, there mm -hmm. was 3G and then there was the edge network. I don't right. know if that was in America, but it was terrible. Right. You couldn't, you know, mobile friendly websites is like only six years old. And we forget that. Well, and I do think, uh, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I, I think you're onto something there because the church got so good at not just producing these moments. Like we just got really good at attractional programming, but then we got really good at broadcasting them. Yes. And so, and this is part of our dinner conversation. And so when it first started, it was, man, you got to come to my church and check this out and see what they do. They do this different. And so it was, you know, whatever the, the gag was that week, right. you got to come check it out. But then we started broadcasting it and we put it on our social media and churches just got a lot better at getting that out there. So now you didn't have to show up to a building to see what they were all about. Right. You kind of saw the gimmick, the gag before it happened, or you could stay at home and watch it. Or you saw it before. You because saw it before. you guys did it right. two months ago and now we're yeah. doing it at our right. church this month. Right, right. And yeah. there was a lot of hype. I mean, if you remember, like in our marketing, it's like, oh, you got, you can't miss this weekend because there'll be something you... You know, it's just gonna blow your don't mind. Be late. Don't be late. Don't be late. Whatever, you know, because that was our marketing. We did really good. But then, yeah, we started broadcasting. We started putting that stuff online. And it's it's just like anything else. People these days, they go online to shop around before they show up anywhere. Right. And so now they're getting their... Have we moved on culturally to the point where nothing blows our mind anymore? Oh. And nothing seems rare. I mean, I, I was thinking about that today. I couldn't get, I've got a rental vehicle and I mean, this is just thinking in real time, but I've got a rental vehicle and like, I can't get my music on the SUV I'm driving uh, because it doesn't have Apple CarPlay or whatever. Right. right? So I'm, I'm, and then I'm, I have to listen to someone music, someone else programmed. Right. And I thought, I wonder, you look at Spotify and you look at what radio used to do. I remember as a kid, you'd have to listen to songs you didn't like or else you had to get up and change the station. Right. And sometimes a song you didn't like the first four times you heard it became your favorite song of that summer. Yeah. Whereas today, I don't think anyone sits through a song four times if they don't like it. Right. They just next, 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 next. And I think it's stultifying. Yeah, I think, good. I think it's killing our... So I wonder, you know, the <laughs> culture was more curious a decade ago. The culture was less cynical. We were less bombarded by yeah. information. We were less marketed to than we are now. Right. And the news cycle has even gone, you know, Absolutely. crazy right. bananas well, over the last few years. I think in everything, there's a law of diminishing marginal utility. The more you mm -hmm. use it, the less exciting it becomes or the 
scarcer. Did you, still yes. have, did you steal that phrase from me? That's I did. Good. I'm always we, we talk that. about that in our one-on-one. <laughs> Can you repeat that? That's really good. The law of marginal diminishing oh. marginal utility. So one thing as, and, as a and, and staffer. define that again. So, um, so it means, the, the, the more you use something, it's an economic right, term. Right. The more you use it, um, the less, for us, it had less return. Yeah, so bingo. Less return every single time. And so as a staffer, you know, your job on Monday, review the program, see what the other hot churches did, and then feel bad about what you did because it wasn't as good as what they right. did. Right, right. And our, our attendees aren't doing that. But then we're thinking of, okay, we have to one-up what we did last week. Oh, man, you're making me break out in the sweat and then, so, so, thinking about but that. No, that. I mean, that, oh. that, was, that was part of our culture of, like, right. we can do that better. How do we top that? And then we can mm-hmm. top it, and there'll be dancers, and there'll be this, and there'll be that. <laughs> and, and before you know it, it's Cirque du Soleil with a TED Talk, <laughs> right? Right, right. And, and, it, and it stopped wowing years ago, yeah. but we're still pouring every resource we have into this moment that we think Gosh. is going to leverage the, the day. novelty wore off, And yeah. it, stopped, it stopped impressing people. It completely good, stopped well, And we're doing this for the first time, right? It's funny, you're taking me back to when I was lead pastor, and I remember that moment yeah. where I finally had to call our team together and say, guys, every Sunday cannot be better than the last Sunday. Right, right. Like, we have, we've, we've, yeah. we've moved ourselves to a cliff that we're only going to fall off right. of. And if our hype, and again, this was all new. Nobody had had social media before. Mm. Nobody had been in that space. And we kind of got to this place where we're like, what have we done to ourselves? Yeah. Right? yeah. And it made, I think it made, again, a lot of the season, I was in a smaller church. And so I was that guy that would go on and be like, man, did you see what North Point did? I mean, I didn't even know that was possible. And they did mm. this, pull this off. And as a pastor, I'm thinking, how do I take my church I can't duplicate this. My church of three hundred. Like I don't know. Like, but that was the bar, you know. Yeah. Like, okay, now what am what am I gonna do? You know. Hey, listen, one of my takeaways is if Crosspoint is worried about where we lame in this song, right? Right. <laughs> like, what does that do for everyone else listening? You guys You're are your toughest critic. Yeah. Well, you know what's fun about having this conversation now is uh, we're not ninety years old in the yeah. retirement home, sitting on the front porch, going, yeah. "Where did it all go horribly wrong?" Right. Because mid course correction, and again. I assume best intentions. We and and it was something, and I, I won't say it won't even work. That's utilitarian language. It it was a season where we saw God move. That's right. In many cases, we didn't get it right, but right. in many cases, in a really powerful way, right. an authentic life change happened. But now we're in a shifting season, yeah. and so almost in spite of us, God yes. moved. Right? Yes. He has um, a history of that. So, I mean, and when we we were talking about this conversation, again, we we talk about this all the time. Mm. We would say we're still attractional, right? Yeah. We want to appeal to guests. We just think what they're attracted to is different. Mm-hmm. Bingo. Okay. Yeah. Because the the argument sometimes online when I write about this stuff, it immediately goes to. Just preach the word of God and everything will be great and don't worry about the outsider. Does that work on Facebook? No. (laughs) I mean, you can put the most compelling statement out there and it doesn't draw people to the heart of Jesus. You know, Mm -hmm. you can can pound the table, you can pound the pulpit and do that, but I don't know that that wins people's hearts. The Holy Spirit does that work. I think we can set the environment for that. So before we go to where things are moving or where we wonder whether they're moving or what we're in the middle of, what are the parts of attractional that you don't want to lose? Can I tell a story? Sure. It'll be pretty fun, uh, I think. Um, you're the seven. You can tell me afterwards if this is fun or not. <laughs> that was a terrible story. Uh, that was a terrible never story. tell it again. Actually, so, he left the room. Right. So he's gone. This is my opportunity. <laughs> yeah. Take a break. Um, we have this like kind of um, foundational story and cross point of our history of almost why we became attractional and posture. I mean, it had to do with one of our founding leaders working at another church, um, 
they had been praying. This guy was a student pastor. Then they'd been praying for some kids from the high school to come to their youth group, praying all semester to get these two boys. I mean, if we could win these two boys to Jesus and we could change the school. Well, lo and behold, on a Sunday night, these two boys, the youth group had been praying for showed up in ball caps. Elder beelines to those boys and says, if you don't take those ball caps off, you got to get out of this church. And in that moment, that foundational leader said, you know what? I'm never going to be a part of a church that has those kind of rules and that kind of posture mm-hmm. towards anybody. And that was completely shaping. I had an experience like that on the road where we were touring and playing at a kind of small Baptist church in rural uh. Tennessee. And they asked us to do Sunday night worship and then like a Disciple Now conference through the first part of the week. And so we were just doing some hymns with an acoustic guitar, which meant the drummer and the bass player sat out. <laughs> Not the even Sunday brushes. night service. You no, know, you just sit over here. You just sit there. But they're wearing a ball cap and we're the invited yeah. artists. And an elder comes up and says, you, you better take those ball caps off in this church. And I'm, I'm fine. I know it's a cultural thing, but if those weren't the guys on my team and those were kids that came from the community to experience that, they're mm-hmm. never coming back. And so from an attractional standpoint, I never want to lose the environment that says everybody's welcome, period. Yeah. We've had people mm-hmm. come in and we've got it written on our walls. Everyone's welcome. Mm-hmm. Grab a campus pastor and say, man, my life's kind of messed up. Point to the sign and say, is that true? Am I really welcome here? Yeah. And we can say, yeah, absolutely you are. So when, if that's attractional, then we're going to do that till the day we die. Yeah, me too. What else are you keeping? I, was, I mean, I was going to say something very similar to that. I was going to say posture. We talk posture a lot, like your, your vision, your mission, all that kind of stuff. But man, our, our posture towards the community um, continue to be an attractional church in that way. I think your line that you just, I, I try to quote you all the time and misquote it, but we're still an attractional church. We like to think we're an attractional church still. We just feel like that, that target of what attracts people is, is, is moving. Yes. And we want to just do a better job. Like you were saying earlier, some of the, the wisest leaders are able to kind of finger to the wind and see where the culture is going and be able to move with it. And so, um, you know, we've got some ideas of where that might be going, but I think more than anything, we want to make sure that we're still a place that is postured with grace and love and mercy towards community and um, towards our city. And it, and it doesn't mean we've run completely off the rails when it comes to language we use in the program right. or the songs we pick. So what, Drew and I have this conversation a lot of like, just make sure the first couple rungs on the ladder are there. So mm. there was a season in Cross Point's history where we would say, hey, you know that song that's kind of like aloof in its theology and guests won't understand it? Let's not do it because mm. they won't get it. Uh, okay, but it's a really beautiful song. But no, they won't get it. Fast forward to now where we say, let's do that song. Let's just take 60 seconds before the song starts and say, hey, if you're new to church, we're going to sing about the Holy Spirit. Here's what that means for me. Right. If you want to join us, sing along. And yeah. so we just put the first couple rungs on the ladder. <clears throat> Drew did this incredible teaching a couple months ago um, about anxiety, worry, and depression. Incredibly honest conversation. Um, and the takeaway, and I don't want to synthesize your entire 30 minutes, which was brilliant down to one thing, but he says, we win when we worship. Like, mm. oh man, that's an amazing takeaway if you're struggling with anxiety. Enter this incredible woman who's like, man, I love that talk. I struggle with <laughs> that. What's worship? Will you tell me what that is? <laughs> right. And as simple as I thought I'd made it, the email came through and she'd email me and just say, hey, I love that idea. What's worship? Like, right. And I'm like, whoa, okay. Like I, you know, and that's what Matt talks rungs on the ladder all the time. And we're still in these conversations, by the way, like not figured out, you know, no. you know the first couple weekends of the year, we're still talking about how do we make this accessible to people? We know we're going to have guests and how do we really, I mean, so this is still part of our regular conversation. I just left a meeting this morning where we're talking about that. We're programming, making sure that we're aware 
that guests are in the room and we want to not shy away. Cause I think even as a worship leader, there was times where I almost felt like I had to, to apologize for leading worship. Mm-hmm. Now we don't feel that as much, but we do want to disciple and we want to give them the why behind what we're singing. Would you still write messages with Malcolm in mind or whoever you have in mind? I feel like hmm. I do. I just literally having finished a, a big hard series the other day, hmm. but I would resonate with what you said that what Malcolm is interested in has changed. Right. And what Malcolm wants to hear is different it's than different. it was five years ago. Yeah. And that goes, maybe this is a good segue to what I wrote about in the blog post that came out of our dinner a few months ago, that the foyer or the foyer, depending on where you are, has moved. <laughs> the narthex. The narthex has moved. <laughs> Vestibule. That doesn't have that no, same not, ring. No, no, you're right. Uh, right. But this idea was that our worship services were the foyer, that this yeah. is where people showed up. And every Sunday is somebody's first Sunday. We still have that on a decal on our wall. You know, every Sunday is somebody's first Sunday. We're fortunate to be a church like that. You're fortunate to be a church like that, where Mm -hmm. that has always been true. But I think this idea, because of what we said earlier with the explosion of smartphones and technology and being bombarded, you know, have you ever been to a restaurant in the last five years you haven't checked out online first? Yeah. Of course not. No. Especially date night. Right. I mean, if you're going out on date night, it's right. not like, well, I have no idea. Like, right. what are the Yelp reviews? What what yep. are what's Google saying about this? And place? then ask two or three friends in addition to Yelp. Exactly. What'd you, what'd you think? Yeah. Right. What did you think? Were they was it good? Like, so can you explain that for people who haven't read the post by what you meant when the foyer moved? Yeah, I mean, I think the best way to explain it is a story. I, I met a lady on on this just last weekend. Her name was Darlene. She came in, and I was talking to someone. I could see her kind of eyeing me from across the lobby a little ways. I knew that she wanted to have a conversation. So when I finished my conversation, I looked away, and she, she approached me. And she went on to say that she has been attending Crosspoint online for three years, and it was her first Sunday to walk into the lobby. And you could tell, like, her voice was nervous. She was shaking a little bit, and... She had seen me preach, she had seen Kevin. So she was saying, man, I feel like I know you guys so well. And it was her first, and she lives like miles from the church. Mm. Like she's not out of town or outside. Like, But she's been watching us from a distance for for three years before she had the courage to step into our, our lobby. And so for us, our parking lots, our lobbies, our environments are, are still so important. Like, But it's just, yeah. it's just not the first impression anymore. People are watching and, and some of our best pastors we have on our staff right now are online chat hosts. Right. that are talking with people and making them feel welcomed online. One of our camera operators, she works every single weekend, was struggling. We just told her story a couple of weeks ago in church. She was struggling with some alcohol issues and some depression and stuff like that and church kid. And again, she Googled, not even looking for Crosspoint, not look, just went on searching. I, I need to find some hope. Found us, watched online, met someone in the chat. The person in the chat invited her to come. That person met her in the lobby. So she knew someone the first time she was there and she got baptized and she's working her camera every week. And so those are the things that we're trying to, when we talk about the lobby moving, you know, it's it's no longer come and see, come check my church and hopefully you'll meet someone and they'll welcome you in. Now it's, I wanna see if what I've been watching for three years is really true when mm. I show up there. Like, are they what they, who they say they are? Are they gonna welcome me in? Is this, you know? And so I think it just, for us, we're trying to figure out what that looks like. What does it look like moving forward? to know that people are checking us out long before they ever show up to our campuses. And if we don't focus on that, we're gonna miss hundreds of thousands of people in our communities um, that are checking us out, scoping us out. We're never gonna have the opportunity to actually get our arms around them if we don't engage them well in the in the new lobby, in the new foyer, which is online. And does that also mean that when they get here, they're ready to go a little bit faster? 
maybe than they were five years ago, 10 years ago. I, I think Probably so. so yeah. yeah. I think so. Someone, someone, uh, this last weekend showed up for the first time and came to the first service and was serving guest experience for the second service. <laughs> okay. That's fast. Now that's not yeah. common, but right. it just shows that once people are ready to, you know, Engage. it's the try before you buy Once you've checked it out and you're ready and you yeah. show up, there's a little bit more faster, you know, integration time into the life of, yeah, of the Yeah, you know, that that's funny. I mean, this is a terrible illustration, but, uh, you know, when you're buying a car, something you do every, you know, not every year, but every few years, I've always enjoyed that, like, because hmm. I like cars. But anyway, you know, you're kind of at the mercy of the salesperson and the brochure. Right. And now, I mean, last few vehicles we purchased over the last decade, I know more about that model usually than the mm, salesperson. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, well, that trim doesn't come with this. And they're like, what? I'm like, well, right, but that's what we're talking about yeah. is they, and if they haven't even been to your site, because we got leaders listening who don't have the resources of your church or sure. Connexus or that, but, you know, I promise you, they've Googled the questions they're asking. They have searched every home, you know, every right. essential oil that can help them right. or yeah. whatever, whatever right. they happen to be into in the moment. And now they're coming going, can you lead me? You know, the, the line we use at our church all the time is, I think people show up now looking for Jesus and mm. shame on us if they show up and only find us. Wow. So good. You know, That's because profound. I don't I don't want them to show up and say, well, we got a fun experience. No, 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 no. They were looking for God. Like mm. at some level of, would you agree if yeah. you walk into a church well, in Nashville in 2019, you're at some level looking for God? Absolutely. I, I was the always- girl, With the girl who's looking for God? Absolutely. I was always yeah. the conscientious objector, right? Yeah. You know, one of my things I would say back in when I was in the programming and music world is like, no one accidentally showed up here and thought, oh, I thought this was a nightclub. They're going to talk about Jesus. They know they're coming to <laughs> right, a church. Right. We, we can be a Jesus church. We can say yeah. that. We can talk about the Holy Spirit and prayer and revival and communion right. because even if they don't have context for it, they're not going to be surprised by it because right. they came to a church. And you know, one other thing I was thinking, in addition to, to the, the lobby shifting, if somebody may not have the resources to broadcast their service, something simple we did probably about four or five years ago was we put speakers on the outside of the building mm. aimed at the parking lot. Initially, it was like, let's start the experience as soon as somebody enters a parking lot. So they're hearing music and worship and everything else. Yeah. Very similar story. There was a lady who came for six weeks and rolled down the window. Her anxiety was so high that she couldn't mm. enter the building. But wow. she came to church six weeks in a row in the parking lot and listen to everything we sang and said before she got the courage to come in the building. So if, if you can't go to broadcast right now, yeah. you can figure out a way to put some speakers on the outside of the building. And there might be someone who that's kind of the new foyer for them. You know, you can find your version of that. And I, I, I think that's so good, Matt, because I would also encourage like it, I think if the, if the foyer, the lobby is changing, then in a lot of ways the decor needs to change as well. And so in a culture now where creating content is easier than ever before. Mm -hmm. Even look at what we're doing with podcasting and all those different things. I think broadcasting a high quality live experience can be tough. You have the cameras, the camera operators, you got the live mix, all this stuff. But even for us, we're we're dreaming and experimenting with different different kinds of content. So for us, it's important that even our, our website that we're wanting to, to rebuild and some of the stuff we're launching is it's not people looking for a church. It's people going to the internet looking for a solution to what they need. Right. They're not looking right. for a church. Right. They're looking, you're, so, I think you're right. And so what they don't necessarily need is a rebroadcast of what happened on Sunday. They're not quite ready for that yet. But if we could be their, the, the first place they see that's giving helpful content on how to be a better parent, how to beat that addiction, how to, wow. you know, broken marriages. So I would encourage, like, we have the ability now to create content so much easier that you don't have to, 
broadcast, even though we have the ability, we're actually changing our, shifting our model to where even the content we're going to put out in the next year or so is going to be way more felt. And like people don't care what the name of your last series was as much as they care. Does this actually meet a practical need in, in my life? And if they can find that first and we can give them the right algorithms, just like every other YouTube and everything else, we can leverage these tools that one video leads them to the next video, the next video, and we follow down the trail that at some point they're gonna show up and find real community. Okay, so I gotta play uh, the role of the the leader who's listening going, wait a minute, that sounds very attractional to me. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is. I would agree. Yeah. I mean, it's just it just goes back to what Matt said. It's just we feel like they're looking for something different and it's not, yeah. the, it's not the show and the-, the Nobody's looking lights. for wow anymore. If, yeah. if they're truly hmm. lost, they're looking for how. Not yeah. wow. That's good. Did they you can get. I did. That's strong. They can get that's wow. Good. They can TM. get wow anywhere. TM. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're for that. No, I think that's so true. When 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 people do finally have the courage to show up, they want to know. I think a couple things. Do these people really believe what they're talking about? Because yeah. yes. I think one part of the attractional church that has maybe done us a little bit of a disservice is, um, if you don't build a worship culture and you don't build a bit of an intensity and really a a heart for the lost, a heart for the city, and a way to dig in, then potentially people are showing up with real needs and real problems thinking, do these, is this possibly the solution to what I have? I don't know yet. And if they see a bunch of people that don't look like they actually believe what they're doing, then they're gonna be like, well, then I don't, I don't think this is the answer, the solution. When they show up, they need to see people that are bought in. That they're like, no, yeah. this, this has worked for us. Here's a story of how it's worked. And this is why we feel like you should belong to this community as well. So good. So I know this can be a little bit hard to put into words, but I, I know the shift you're talking about. We've been undergoing it for the last three or four years at Connexus as well. Um, but let's start with music. What yeah. is different <laughs> about music at Crosspoint today than five years ago? Hmm. So because when you come really in, it's question. largely the same. Largely right? the same. Right. But it's different. So what, what is that? Okay, so there was a season when it came to even how we produced a live moment. We would say, okay, this is a really cool acoustic, electric guitar, drums, and bass version of this song. What would this worship song sound like if Taylor Swift produced this song? So we would say, okay, and again, this is a season ago, and we can pick on ourselves a little bit because it was— We were there. It was us. That's yeah. right. And so we would say, let's reimagine how Imagine Dragons would, would cover this Chris Tomlin song. Right. Or let's, let's see how Taylor <laughs> Swift would play this Bethel song. And so we would kind of come up with these original or different interpretations of it. And we spent a lot of time and resource on that to engage a different segment of culture. When you turn on the radio, you don't hear songs that sound like acoustic guitar, electric guitar, bass, and drums. No, you don't. That's not how music sounds on the radio. So again, going back to being really worried about that guest, what came off the platform sounded really antiquated Mm -hmm. production-wise. Okay, Uh, we're going to come back to that because most church leaders are like, what? But I totally resonate (laughs) with that. So so basically now I, I think we are incredibly comfortable with a way more authentic experience to what Drew said earlier, it's it's excellent because there's a standard of excellence that we have for our city. It's an act of worship. But um, we would do songs now that we would probably never do three years ago. Um, some mm-hmm. spiritual topics, again, kind of going maybe towards the Holy Spirit or yeah. towards prayer. They'd be like, that's pretty confusing. Three right. years ago, now we're like, well, let's just put the wrongs on the ladder and we'll get them there. Well, right. a couple of things I would add to that that we've, we've started to shift in our culture is... Um, more emphasis on a worship pastor at a location. So a multi-site location, again, this might not apply to everyone, 
But when you're just doing attractional music and you're just performing, then you can have just a song leader. You just a quality song leader up there that can, with excellence. But we've really tried to, to increase just the emphasis we have on someone, a consistent leader in front of a group of people that is pastoring them in worship. It's that a spiritual is drawn intensity out. that spiritual they Spiritual intensity. And we're not, we don't want song leaders as much as, because before we can, again, we're naturally just contract a song leader, sing <laughs> these three songs and you're done. Now we want someone whose heart is invested in that community that really wants to see them grow. Um, that's one way. I would say also just building space and margin into sets that we, yeah. we didn't normally do. Mm -hmm. Now we do have some limitations still with broadcast and timing and stuff like that. Right. It's still a 60 minute program. It's yeah. not like we went from 18 minutes of worship to 40 minutes of worship. Yep. It's still 18 or 22 minutes. But those, those 18 minutes, they feel like they breathe more, that they have more space, mm -hmm. that the they have yep. more a sense of awe or yep. wonder or a mood to mm -hmm. them than maybe just 18 right. highly programmed, high energy minutes. Right, yeah. right. And we okay. can do that. We can, make it, we can make it feel that way. And we can actually, you know, budget in some margin to just kind of yeah. see what God wants to do. And then another thing I would say is just even more freedom. Like I know for me, I'm, I'm one of the stage hosts, but there's been times, you know, at our 530 service recently, and it happens probably once a month where I'll get up and just say, and I feel totally supported by Pastor Kevin. I mean, he's like saying, go, go, go. I'll get up and say, I don't know that we're done singing that song yet. Or I think we should go back into the song. We never would have done that before. No, we just no. stuck to the plan. Don't, don't deviate from the plan, but creating a, a little sense of flow, like a little sense of like, Hey, if, if we need to go back into something, repeat a chorus, or if we don't feel like the Holy Spirit is done working in this moment, we're not going to feel like we're forced to rush through this moment. We're going to pause and just kind of live in it a little longer. And the freedom has been helpful. Can I go back just, and yeah. this is just a slight little rabbit trail before we keep moving on to other <laughs> aspects of the service, but you hit on a big issue, which could be its own podcast, which yeah. is that church music does not sound like any other music out there mm. today. Uh, and what you mean by that, Rich Birch was the first guy to really tip me off to this mm. uh, friend of mine on seminary. Uh, and he Fantastic, just said, yeah. yeah, Rich is super guy, really super great. thinker. But it was about a decade ago. He's like, you know, the guitar has disappeared from music that's produced today anywhere. Um, it's basically tracks and a really hot vocal. Mm -hmm. and that's about all you got. Mm -hmm. But church music is bass and drums and guitar. And we say we're contemporary. Yeah. <laughs> but that sounds like, I don't know, 15 years ago. Exactly right. To anybody who's listening to what's out on Spotify. Right. How are you straddling that tension? So, um, I mean, these guys, you know, Drew could probably speak a little more clearly to it, but there's a little gift of Nashville and it's country music. Mm. And even maybe on the records, if it sounds really produced and tracky, when that artist goes and tours that song, it's almost always with a band with drums, guitar, bass, and keys. Yeah, so sure. the, the music that is exported out of Nashville at least looks like what we're doing on our platform. It may sound a little bit different. So, you know, country music is kind of true to its roots most of the time when it mm. comes to how those are produced. Now, pop songs, that's a completely different animal, and you're exactly right. So we completely, we experimented with that. You know, we had a season where we would, you know, if, if there's a T-Pain. Where T-Pain <laughs> yeah, like, right. no, yeah. rap, you know, for the bridge for eight bars, we'd find a rapper and put him on stage, you know, because yeah. every pop artist would have a rap bridge. And it's like, well, that's what music sounds like. Let's right. see if it works here. Yeah, and we found out it, it, it probably didn't, but we gave it a shot. We right. were willing to fail. And that was, the, that was the point behind it. This yeah. is what people are listening to in their cars. Yeah. And so when they come in, they, if they're listening to rap, they should have rap at church and stuff. The one thing I, I try to coach my team on a little bit, because they're all, I mean, the, the team's incredible. They all know what's hip and cool and whatever. And I'm getting to be the old guy in the room now. So <laughs> style and preference, all that stuff. Because I mean, you're 30. Yeah, yeah. exactly, yeah. exactly. <laughs> I've peaked here. Um, but 
style and preference stuff is always going to change and adapt and mold, whatever. To me, I, it's always going back to engagement. That is the one thing that we mm. have different in the church that uh, like, I think in pop or country, whatever, it's about the hook or it's about whatever. And, and that's still true, I think, in the church. But if people aren't singing and engaging, it doesn't matter what the style is, you're missing the point. And, and so, so what is moving you toward more singing and engaging, like engagement now in your style? Yeah. Man, that's a, that's a great question. Um, I, I, I don't know. I think it's always about the choice of songs that we're looking for. I mean, honestly, it's, it's about accessibility. Like, you know, again, all the way down to practically, like, are these words moving too fast? Is this melody too hard to sing? Is it out of their range? I mean, and these are the things I think the, the music team does a really good job of exploring all those, all those things. But, but you're using guitar, drums, bass, keys. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And some variety. So we, we've gone through a phase where we're using a lot of tracks, a lot of stuff. But even this last weekend, I loved it. The team programmed a moment that was just acapella. I mean, just voices. Mm. It's It almost felt really swampy, really, mm -hmm. I mean, mm. really acoustic-y. So, swampy, that's new. Yeah. That's so, I mean, and it was a really special moment in the room. It was cool. Just voices. So It was. You want to write swampy down? You want to yeah, remember that? Yeah, swampy. For, I like that. That's, that's a, a new word. Podcast. That's like really swampy. <laughs> um, so, so uh, that's great. So that's music, which yeah. is helpful. What about other things like hosting and preaching? And we have a separate episode with your lead pastor, Kevin Queen, yeah. coming up. But Well, I mean, you always have to acknowledge the guest. If you mm. don't expect them, they're not, they're not going to yeah. respond, right? So it's even backing out to the parking lot. You know, you're never going to find a reserve for senior pastor parking space at a, at a Crossport right. campus. You right. know? So it's like we start with the guest in mind. Volunteers, you park half a mile away. Right. These spaces are for our guests. And then you come in and signage is super clear. You've, yeah. you've got to make sure that like people know where to go when they don't know where to go, right? So all that's the same. Absolutely. Absolutely. Clear next steps. Yeah. And then when you get to the, to the auditorium, um, it, it, we, most of the time, probably nine out of 10 Sundays, we'll start with a higher energy opener. It doesn't mean that the entire set's just like four on the floor going hard. So is that it. music like off the radio, so to speak, or is it just a worship song that worship tends song. to be higher? So you're not doing a lot of covers anymore? No, we did one on Sunday, which is funny in, in a lot of this <laughs> podcast, but it, it's January. So we are more guest aware than we will be yes. in March. This right. is like, I'm going back to the gym and going to church. We wanted to yeah, give a right. nod to pop culture a little bit this weekend, recognize we have a higher, but I don't know that we've done a cover in months. Six, five, that. six months. It yeah. feels like it's been wow. a while. So it, it's not that it's out of the toolbox completely. It's just not the go-to So you're tool. using it strategically and right. it's not automatic. But when we get to hosting, I mean, without fail, it is just part of our um, language. We say, I mean, if you're a guest today, we've got an info center. We want to meet mm. you and say, thanks for coming today. We want to hear your story. We want to put a gift in your hand as our way of saying, thanks for being here today. Yeah. And without fail, like if we miss that moment in the service, I'm pretty upset because yeah. that's just so important that we, we expect guests and we're prepared for guests. Yeah. We're pretty laser focused depending on the season. Like we try to get with whatever season the church is in. So we'll go through high intensity groups season. And so we we really try to declutter the stage. So there's only really try to have about one announcement that we're talking, right. we're moving people to. And then we've really adopted a lot of the story brand, Donald Miller stuff. So we're big on hero language. Like we're not asking people to come be a part of stuff we're doing because we think it's cool and whatever. It's, this is meeting a need for you. You're the hero character of the story. Mm -hmm. And so we, we run every announcement, everything we do, every series, everything through a story brand filter yeah. to make sure that we're targeting. Do you do more prayer in Absolutely. the service than you used to? Right That's a front. change yeah. for us. It is. Yeah, what, what tell, tell us about that. Well, I mean, I think a lot of it's driven by Pastor Kevin. I mean, he's just, he, I mean, he's a man of prayer. I mean, that's he, his he, he actually is. He really I mean, is. We I spent mean, a few days together in San Diego and yeah. it's amazing just yeah. to really get to know him. And you don't, yeah, you don't have to spend much time with him to know that that is his passion and he lives that out. And so, 
that's going to naturally trickle down into our, our culture. But I think even our campus pastors, I mean, one thing that Pastor Kevin's has been here is really raised the, just the value and spiritual intensity of our campus pastors. And so they're looking more through the, the lens of it's still, I got to run and manage my campus, but also how do I pastor people? How do I look for opportunities to pray? So even the stories we're telling, the wins we're telling now is more about people and individuals and opportunities we had to pray. And so- And it's not a battle we get right all the time. No, I no, mean, no. very recently, we were kind of burdened with the idea of telling a story of someone who experienced healing through prayer, mm-hmm. which in our context is, that's, that's pretty odd for me. I didn't <laughs> grow up in a kind of church where someone experienced healing through prayer. We would pray for somebody's healing, but I don't think growing up we ever expected that to actually happen. <laughs> that's so, why it didn't, by the way. It's a work, it's exactly right. <laughs> So, um, yeah. so, you know, Drew and I and Kevin and another yep. guy on our programming team are kind of going back like, man, this story is really important because this happened. Mm-hmm. How do we tell this and not come across as the weird church? And I think now we're just becoming, we're, we're trusting, you know, God's anointing on Kevin. Yep. He is completely authentic to that personally. Right. And so it doesn't come across as Benny Hinn. And I apologize for saying something no, like that. But, it's but like, I know what you mean. Yeah. That, is, he, that is who he is. Yes. Right. Which is a difference. Um, you know, not that people didn't pray before or whatever, but I think there is, there is a heightened need for an interest in the spiritual disciplines. That's right. So, I mean, kind of growing up in the churches, and again, the reason I think churches tilted towards attraction in the first place is as a kid growing up in a a Baptist church, it's like we did communion and there was prayer and there were fifth Sunday sings and no one ever told Mm -hmm. us why these things matter. We just did them. So our reaction as church leaders in the nineties and early two thousands was we're going to do things that are you know, really um, low, low hanging fruit. People can mm. get this the first mm. time they come in. And so we kind of sacrifice those rituals and some of those religious things. I think now we just got to put the meaning back in some of those moments and it's not you, taboo. Do you do communion from time to time? We yeah. do, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And we've also, another thing we do that's changed is baptism used to be more of an event several times a year. And now it's part of our culture every weekend. Most campuses have uh, a baptismal out in their lobbies and people are getting baptized more regularly, not just mm-hmm. in events. So we still do that, but those yeah. kind of spiritual disciplines and practices are a little more evident and we're, we're telling more stories than ever. So even part of the tractional, it's less of come and see how cool we are, come and see this thing on stage, but almost come and see, you know, it's the woman at the well stuff, come and see what Jesus has done for me. And we're telling them, they're telling their own story of how they've experienced healing or whatever. And so we're able to just kind of point to Jesus and not uh, look at what we're doing. Well, and what's so uh, just exciting to hear is it was less than three years ago where you had that big transition and almost all your senior leaders left and a lot of other people left as well. But I remember last time um, I connected with you guys, you had just had a record Sunday mm-hmm. in attendance. Re- mm-hmm. Like the Crazy. people are being drawn here um, okay. and, and finding God. And I mean, we could, if we had more time, um, I think we're due at lunch soon, <laughs> but right. we could talk about, you know, groups is up. This yep. isn't just like people showing up on the weekend, right. weekend. Right. groups is up, yeah. baptism is up, yeah. prayer is up. I mean, yeah. you guys, every, we'll probably talk about this in the other episode, but every Tuesday at 11 a.m. you do an hour of prayer yeah. with yeah. staff, which is really neat. Now, a lot of leaders listening going, uh-oh, what, what do I do? If you had advice for leaders who are listening, Hmm. Uh, and they're like, I feel like I'm stuck in five years ago, or I knew this was broken, but I didn't know how to fix it. Hmm. And now what do I do? What would you, any suggestions for them? Well, I would say a caveat that I would want to have as someone who is listening to this podcast on their side is don't, 
don't wear Saul's armor. Like you mm. have a unique calling to your community and what that. connects there is yeah. not necessarily what connects in Nashville. So know who you are, know who God's made you to be. And if you feel a sense of change, something Kevin said, that, I mean, the very first conversation I had with him on the phone, the first like pre-interview conversation, he said, hey, what's the prayer life like at your church? Mm. And kind of defeated, I had to say, I, it's pretty infantile. I'm not sure. And he said, okay, that's fine. And his prayer always is, God, teach me how to pray. So I think the best thing you can do if you want to start a culture is like wants to return to a yep. um, God's presence and his power is God, just teach me how to pray. And will you teach me how to teach other people how to pray? You know, and so it can be really simple, really simple start. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I think I, I totally agree with what you said. That's profound, Matt. I mean, I feel like even, even <laughs> <laughs> Mike dropped there, but no, the leaders finding how, how has God wired you to lead? I mean, we, we talk about all the time, the comparison trap of like, you're not meant to be, you know, name your favorite preacher. That's not who you're meant to no, be. Right. And then I would take even a step further. What is what is your niche in your city? Like really pray through. There's things as a church that we'll never be as good at as some other churches in our city. But because we're seeing increased unity, I mean, we're getting ready to go into 30 days of prayer and fasting with over 300 churches in our city. So as the unity, wow. I know it's amazing. So as the unity is starting to come together, we're able to say, no, I'm friends with, Matt Smallbone over at Church of the City. And this is what they're really great at. And you would probably really love his church if you'd go there. And it just helps free us to know this is what we're going to be great at. We've got a lot of great churches in the city and we can just own our little piece of the pie and know that we're contributing to the bigger kingdom. So I would encourage leaders to, yeah, really discover what kind of your strength is, what that looks like for you. Don't try to duplicate, but then also really hone in on what has God called you to do in your context, where you're at. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, if I could add one thing to that to leaders who are listening, I would say really be true to who God has called you to be. Yeah. I think in the same way that, you know, maybe it was easy to get caught up in what every other church was doing a few years ago, it's pretty easy to get caught up in what other preachers are doing yeah. or to just try to download a template and think, this is going to fix all my problems. I mean, I'm preaching this weekend at our church and I'm going into new territory and there's a little bit of vulnerability mm -hmm. with that as well. But it's where my heart's at. It's the work that God is doing in my life. And there was, there was an interesting, we, we do attract a lot of unchurched people and we have, uh, it's almost like the equivalent of the state police. The provincial police have their headquarters literally 10 minutes from my house in a city where one of our locations is. And the guy who's trained to be the chief like lie detector guy in the entire province of 11 million people uh, showed up at our church, not a believer. Mm. And um, so he's, he's an expert in pathology. Like he can tell if you're lying yes. and he gets, he gets in on the biggest cases in the country to try to figure out whether this guy actually killed her or whether he's telling the truth. Wow. Right. So it's fascinating. And he's, he wasn't a Christian when he came and it was one of the best compliments I think I ever got on my preaching. And what he said, and I've confirmed it, now he's in my small group. But anyway, what, nice. what, what he said was, I don't know whether pointing to the screen because I was on a screen at, at that location. He says, I don't know whether I believe what that guy believes, but I can 100% tell you that he believes it. Wow. And yeah, I thought, okay, huge. mission accomplished. Yeah. Good. Because I don't always get it right. We have, but I think when you bring that kind of conviction mm -hmm. and when you bring that kind of authenticity into what you're doing, whether you're a worship leader, whether you're a preacher, mm -hmm. whether you're a host, mm -hmm. whatever you're doing, I think that is what people are hungering after. Yeah. There is so much fake, there's so much spin, mm -hmm. there's so much like just a cacophony 
of, of influences out there that they are looking for the real thing. And if you can bring that, which we have in Jesus, we really do. Last question. And this is again, a big one. The whole charismatic, have you guys become more expressive over the last few years? Or you would say, no, if you showed up on a Sunday, it's pretty much the way it was five years ago. That's a good question. I, I, I feel like our worship culture is, is growing in expression. I think Mm. we're feeling, um, and I think it's, you know, it's kind of the old analogy of the, the ship. I mean, you gotta, you gotta turn it slow, right? You can turn yeah. it fast, you make everyone sick. And so <laughs> it's, it's, it's turning slow, but we're feeling um, and seeing just a lot of more engagement in our worship service, like expressive that, expressive that way. And I would just say, even in, in emphasis on miracles and prayer, like, so when we pray, we really, unlike you, when you grew up, we actually believe that God's gonna, <laughs> <laughs> we believe that God's gonna work and do miracles. We, we believe that prayer is the most powerful force on the planet. So there's an expectation when we pray. And so, yeah, I would say there is a little bit more of an emphasis. I, I don't know that if you visited Crosspoint five years ago, and then you came in today that externally you would see tons of change. I think, I mean, I, I do hear people say that it feels a little different when it comes to how we respond. Um, but I think we're still so new into this that I think what God's doing is he's still shaping our hearts internally. He's still growing us and how to pray and Kevin's still leading us as a staff. And we're, and so we're seeing that kind of seep out into the church, but do you agree? That's totally good. Yeah. I love it. Mm -hmm. One way I can express it is I I talked to a guy on Sunday, he programs lights for some of the biggest artists, not in Nashville, but in the world, literally Mm -hmm. he's an incredible lighting programmer. He's not here all the time because of his work takes him to France and Canada and South America and everywhere. So I was like, hey, so what, what'd you think? Are you, are you enjoying what we're doing? He's like, yeah, man, it's, it still really feels the same. And it still is really different. Like people can't mm. quite put their thumb on it. Mm-hmm. But if you felt comfortable here five years ago, you feel comfortable here now. And, um, and I, think it's, I think it's the right kind of different and the right kind of better. Mm. No criticism in the past because I was here and I was a part of it and I loved it. And God used that season. And I think he's really shaping and using this season. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's, it's different and it's better. No, that's well said. And it's a very similar story at Conexus. It's very recognizable, but something shifted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, I think that's a good thing because our culture is different than it was five years ago. And people I think people are more tired. People are more hungry. Mm-hmm. Um, people are more longing that's right. to really more meet desperate. Christ. Yep. They're more desperate. That's mm-hmm. a good, good, good thing. Anything else you guys want to share before we wrap up? This is good. And then I want to know where people can go to find Crosspoint or um, I, I guess it's a conversation in real time. So absolutely. more resources, this is it. Yeah, I mean, I just want to say a 90 day disclaimer on anything we said to be completely false. Is that fair? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I, I, I think, in, golly, talking about attractional, it's a horse you can fall off on both sides, right? Yeah. That mm. you can just miss this going way too far to the right or way too far to the left. Right. And it kind of goes back to calling. So don't... Um, you just got to lean into God. For, for us, the secret sauce in a season of transition was desperation. Hmm. And if you don't start with desperation first, if you turn something really fast, um, a, a leader that came in in our transition to kind of help us sort things out said, hey, if you, if you want to um, steer fast, steer a small boat. If you want to turn something this big, you kind of got to do it a little bit slower. Yeah. If you want to work on the ship, you got to do it in the harbor, not out in the ocean. So if you want to tinker with what God's calling you to do, um, I would just say desperation first before you go attack the model. Like That's a good word, mm-hmm. you know, because I think the mistake would be implementing some of this, hoping it would, quote, work. Right. No. It's not know, a formula. It's not, about, it's not formulaic. Nope. It's like, where is God moving yep. now? Yep. And how can I respond? So yep. crosspoint.tv, 
That's people want to yeah. follow along more. I can give Matt's personal cell phone too. If you yeah, guys want to call him directly, please do that. <laughs> well, guys, thank you so much, Matt, Drew. Yeah. This has been amazing. An honor. Thank nice. you. So thank fun. Thank you. Love it. Well, that was Crosspoint's creative director, Drew Powell, and executive director, Matt Warren. Next episode, we are back with Kevin Queen, the lead pastor. And man, Kevin is a different kind of dude in the best possible way. Uh, this guy loves Jesus, studies revival, and has not only led Crosspoint to a point where they recovered from losing their founder, but have gone way beyond that in very little time. It's a fascinating story. Uh, well, here's an excerpt from my conversation with Kevin Queen, which will go live next Tuesday. For me, it means that I wait on God because I don't want to pry a door open. I'd rather pray a door open. Oh, yeah. Right? Because once the yeah. door opens, I mean, really, when starting in a position like this, I can't imagine not having the story and starting a position because then every weekend is an audition. Every weekend, I've got to impress somebody. Every weekend, I wonder, well, what do you think about that? But there's such, you, you, how do you come into a difficult situation like this? There's amazing staff, amazing people, but even I've got enough insecurity that if I didn't know that I was at the place on the planet that God had called me, I think the battle in my mind would keep me from effectiveness, right? Well, I think you're going to love it. And remember, Easter is right around the corner. So head on over to promediafire.com forward slash carry to take advantage of some incredible savings and get the message out there before Easter happens. And if you want to improve your preaching, head on over to theartofbetterpreaching.com and see what Mark Clark and I have got for you there. Well, I want to thank everybody who's left rating and reviews. Thank you guys. Uh, man. I, I've been on the road a lot this year, looking forward to doing more speaking. We'll, we'll say more about that a little bit later on. Yeah, there's some new opportunities opening up, which I'm really excited about. And uh, for your encouragement, for your feedback, for your ratings, reviews, comments, engagement on social, all I can say is thank you. We had the very best week ever on the podcast just a couple weeks ago, and uh, that's in terms of downloads and listens. I just want to say thank you so much, guys. You are the best. So, whether you are working out in the car, cooking dinner, on the treadmill, on your bike, or just on a hike in the woods, um, I hope our time together today has helped you lead like never before. You've been listening to the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast. Join us next time for more insights on leadership, change, and personal growth to help you lead like never before.